Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are actually honoured. Marie and I are honoured to be a part of your church. Whether you like it or not, this is a home away from home. And that's the way we address it because we love your pastors. And uh, I believe, actually, I, I woke up into this year going, you know what, God, I've been walking with you my whole life. Well, I didn't begin walking. I began crawling. But you have been in my world since I was born because of my parents' uh, discovery that we could have a relationship with God. And yet this year, I... I found myself saying to God, you know, God, I want you to show me more. Let me say that again. I want you to show me more. Did you realize you will always discover what you go looking for? I want you to think about that. If you're compromising and you're doing the wrong thing, you go looking for it, you will find it. If you say to God, God, you know, I'm not content with where I'm at. I want more. And you go looking for it. If you continue to walk, you'll find it. And I want to inspire. By the way, you're going to have to respond a lot better than this chapel. I thought it was going to be the boring service, but they were jumping out of their seats. And uh, it's kind of like, I do get boring if you go quiet. Is that right? So uh, go long, go boring. But if you respond. But it's kind of this passion is that there is so much more in the God that we walk with. There is so much more in who He is. And I think it's very easy for us to settle and become familiar with what we've already discovered. And recently I was having communion. And as I sat and had communion, I've done that all of my life. The same prayer was in my heart. God, I want you to show me more. I want to understand more of what communion really means to me. Because I've realized that one of the enemy's tactics is to create distance. And he primarily uses disappointment or distraction to create distance and You know, when you come to communion, often we read what happened at the Last Supper. And I want to begin this morning by going back there. I think we have it on the screens, but we're going to go to Matthew 26, 26. This is what the Bible says, as they were eating. In other words, as they were in the Last Supper with Jesus, Jesus reached over, he took the bread, he blessed and he broke it, and he gave it to those that were in church, those believers, those disciples. And he said to them something very strange. I want you to eat this, which is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he he said to them, would you drink from it, all of you? Goes on to say, this is the blood of my new covenant, which was shed for the forgiving of your sins. And I found myself going back and thinking, I wonder what it was like Because the disciples would get with Jesus and at the end of the day, they'd have their meal together and Jesus had told them how that there was a time coming when he would go to the cross and he would fulfill his mission on earth and pay for the sins of the entire human race. And they knew it was in the future, but they didn't know when and they weren't sure how. And around the supper table, let me put it in context, just on a normal Sunday morning, something shifted. It was like the atmosphere changed and they realized Jesus was Jesus, but there was something about him right now that had intensified. It was like there was a moment in in worship. There were moments if we went looking for them, 
that we could have discovered if we were just singing the song, we wouldn't even know they took place. And Jesus said, you know what? This is more than a meal. This is more than a church service. This is a point in history where if you were to realize who I am, and if you were to take who I am to who you are, everything would be different. And I kind of feel prophetically over the church here. And I said, what's the theme? And I had this in my heart to bring this morning. It's like, you know what? We want to go deeper with God. And it was kind of like, this isn't communion where there's a piece of bread and a little cup of grape juice and we do it out of ceremony. No, 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 no. This is a time where everything changes. I want you to get a revelation of the power of exchange because up to this point, it's been you alongside me. Now it's going to be me inside of you. It's going to be who I am living through who you are. And I want you to reach, if you're willing, to take my body and to take my blood, the revelation of exchange. You know, I've spent my life coming to communion. And this is how it goes for me. Well, here I am again, God. And, you know, I'm sorry to say, but I've stuffed up. I've tried to do it right, but there are things I've got to get right before you because I know I want to take this with the right heart. Would you forgive me? God, would you... Would, would you Walk with me from this place so that I can be stronger. But you know what? I never realized there's something that's just come to me in this last couple of weeks. Verse 31, after he gave them the bread and the cup, Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me. In other words, I want today to encourage you. That when you keep looking at God and say, I'm not worthy, no, the reason the battle is so large, the, we, the reason you fail so often, the reason the enemy gets his way more times than he ought to is actually not because of you, but because of me. Because the enemy knows that if I get fully formed in you, your whole world changes. So he's going to come at you because of me. And I've got to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, my whole spirit lit up and I thought, oh God, I thought it was because of me that I failed. But actually, it's not because of me, it's because of you. Come on. Some of you are going to go out of this place liberated, I tell you. It's not that I'm not responsible for my decisions, but the foundation of my struggle is Him, not me. Come on. And when I began to realize, I thought that's why he was giving me himself. Because there is only one power over the power and the plan of the enemy, and that's the name of Jesus. Come on, that's the body and the blood of Jesus, and the power of that is there. In fact, he goes on and says, it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after this, I want to tell you good news. You won't understand the next few days, but after this, I will be raised and I will go before you to Galilee. In other words, I'm with you. I'm in front of you. You've got to stop letting the enemy convince you that you live condemned. Every challenge in your life is because of me. And it's because of me that the enemy wants to destroy you. And you can't do it on your own. But if you would bring who you are to the table. Come on, if you would bring honestly who you are to the table and you'd receive from me, something would happen. And I, I love it because Peter goes, you know what, God? Or he said, Jesus, it, it, you want 
to know something. I'm not gonna be like the others. I'm gonna leave this communion table and I'm gonna get it all right. He said, Peter, Peter, Peter. Before the cock crows in the morning as it does every time, three times you'll deny me. Then Peter says, no, even if you have to die now, I'll go with you. You know, we sometimes think we're a lot further ahead than we really are. You know, we get the picture of the communion table and we see 13 faces looking at us. Jesus positioned in the middle, smiling, big beard flowing here. I've auditioned for that part many times, but... Six disciples on one side, six on the other, and here we are facing the camera because the artists in their art show us the faces of the disciples. But it wasn't like that. They were all around the table. You know, John was close. He lay on the chest of Jesus. Others were on the other side of the table. I'd like to suggest Judas was not even sitting around the table. He was under it. Because if you read the same chapter earlier on, Jesus had just exposed Judas as the one that was going to, again, sell him out. He didn't feel worthy. He was confused. He had something in his heart, and yet he was there. And I don't know where you find yourself positioned with Jesus. This morning, you're sitting in the seat. But maybe you feel so far from him because you've done so much that's not right. And even the things in your heart you feel guilty about and You can't even face them. As I said, you're hiding under the table or you're on the far end of the table or you may be sitting next to him and it's kind of like Jesus comes and says, do you realize this Christian walk is not about you being strong enough, but it's actually about a personal exchange that is going to release a divine encounter. It's kind of like, well, what's this God thing about? It's not about a religious kind of tickless. It's about a personal exchange. It's like I come to God with my weakness and I bring who I am honestly. And I just realize that even in my failure, it's not primarily because of me. It's because of him. So I'm going to stop coming and, and, and thinking God's going to bash me, but I'm just going to come and bring all that I am, warts and all. Yeah, I wonder if Judas got up from under the table and came and brought who he was at that point in his life. I have no doubt there would have been a divine encounter. And I just wonder if this year is going to be another year like every other year, or it's going to be a year where, you know, you realize the veil has been torn. (laughs) Come on, the prophecy has been fulfilled. The sacrifice has been completely giving. And and, and it's like, just bring who you are. Don't allow the devil to fool you into thinking when, when you get it all right, it's going to be different. No, 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 no. You come as you are. Come on, come as you are. You you, you come with your brokenness because God already knows it's there. And he's saying, your answer is not in your body, your strength. Your answer is not even in your blood. It's my blood. Your answer is in me that takes the authority over you. And when I began to think about that, I thought, oh my God, that makes so much sense when Jesus was teaching the multitudes. And he said in Matthew 11, 28, would you come to me? Not come to church, but would you come to me? Would you come to me, all of you that are laboring? In other words, you're tired, you're you're working your guts out, you're heavy laden. You know what? I'll leave you with rest. Would, Would you take my yoke upon you? Would you learn from me? Because I'm gentle and I'm lowly of heart. Do you know what? You'll live a life where you've got rest in your soul. 
What's the condition of your soul today? Come on, what, what's the anxiety that's resident? It's like, would you come to me? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, three things that he says, and I hope that I can invest something into you this morning. The first thing he says was, would you come to me? When was the last time you crossed the table? Come on, when was the last time you brought completely everything that you are to him? And said, here I am, God, come to me, all ye who labor. See, we drift and the enemy fools us into thinking we've got to get it all right. And it's kind of like, would you just come to me? Would you just make an active decision that your answer's not in you? It's in me. You know, I, I don't know what you're like if you buy a present for somebody. But maybe I'm a little weird. But this is what I do. If I know, you know, somebody's having a birthday or something special, I, I want to bring them a gift. And, and, and I always say, to, to Marie, and she says the same to me. It's like, come on, let's not just fulfill the obligation, but what would they like? And that makes it really hard because you want something they really need or would really like to have. And kind of you, you get the gift and you, you wrap it all up. And, and maybe there's two parts to the gift. There's one thing that you really know they want, and that's at the bottom of the bag or the, the wrapping. And on the top is the other parts, just a little extra gift. And, and you give it to them, and it's kind of like they go, oh, wow, thank you very much. And then they keep talking and they put the gift down. Well, this is what I'm like. Pick the gift up. Would you just unwrap the gift? Come on, would you just do it? And, and kind of they don't do anything about it. And you just go, oh, I hope you enjoy the gift. Because you want them to get the gift. Come on. It's like, or, or they don't do anything. So you just walk closer over to it. And say, I hope you like the wrapping. You're trying to drop the hint. Come on. Unwrap the gift. So they get the hint and they open it up and take the tissue paper out and they get the first gift, which is not really the gift. And because they're under pressure now, they go, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and you go, yeah, it's not really amazing. You're just doing that. And you go, there's more. Come on. Then they get to the real gift and it's like, oh my gosh. I wonder this morning, I wonder if you've had a recent revelation of what it means to come to him. It's like, you know what? There is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. So why do we live with condemnation? There is no strength outside of the strength that Jesus brings. And it's kind of like, I think God sometimes, and I know for me, he's saying, would you unwrap the gift? Would you actually come to me and realize what has been prepared for you? Come on, would you realize that it's so easy to drift and walk into territory that I've never designed for you to walk and you don't even know that it's happening because you lost your way? In fact, recently, it was an amazing story. In fact, just last week or the week before, the, there was a report in New Zealand of a man that was found in a jungle. His name was Anton Philippa. And he was found in the Amazon jungle. What they discovered is that Anton had been lost for five years. He lived in Vancouver and he had or suspected disease of schizophrenia. And in 2012, they, he just disappeared from his home in Vancouver. I, I think the story goes that there was some court action against him for something he had done. And whether it was related or not, nobody knew, but he just disappeared off the scene. His family 
were completely confused because they put a search. Everybody started looking for Anton. They couldn't find him anywhere in 2012. In fact, we got a photo of him and his brother meeting up after five years of not knowing where he was. In fact, he was discovered by a Brazilian cop that thought he was a beggar because he only had torn clothes, no form of identification. And Anton had walked over the five years through 10 countries and two continents on bare feet. In fact, the map shows us where he actually journeyed from in Vancouver, right through the two continents to Brazil. They reckon he hardly said a word in those five years. He only had the shirt on his back and he just walked over 800 miles through the Amazon. And then this police officer discovered him. You know, I saw that and I thought, how can that happen? How that you can just go on walkabout for five years. I reckon there's a lot of people in church. Come on. We're just keeping doing the stuff. and It's like Jesus is crying out, come to me. Would you unwrap the flipping gift? I don't know if he uses those words, but it's kind of like, would you, would you just understand? Come on, the victory for your marriage is me. The victory for your business is me. Would you cross the table? Yeah, but we're not worthy. And it's like, we don't understand and we're confused. No, you need to bring a personal exchange to unlock a divine encounter. I want who you are, what's and all. I want who it is in you. Would you just come to me? The second thing he said, would you take my yoke? i got to be honest. It's kind of like I used to preach this like this. It's not easy to be a Christian. Come on. You're going to lift your weight. Then I began to feel like the Holy Spirit saying, well, there's truth in that, but that's not the primary reason for being yoked to him. He's the weight carrier. Our responsibility is to find proximity. That our answer is our closeness. Come on, as a church, we've just had prayer and fasting. It's kind of like we're just saying, God, we need to get close to you. We, we're coming to a place where we've never been before. Take my yoke upon you. Listen, verse 30, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And, you know, I've got Dutch blood in me. And I'm somebody that says, if you speak to the mountain, it doesn't move. You dig it out of the way with a shovel. Come on, we just work harder. It's like, let's, let's not make an excuse. But I feel like God is saying to me, and I hope this relates to some of you, this year can't be a year where you're going to do it in your strength. Come on, Victory. It's like we're seeing God do some amazing things. We're about to open another campus. There is so much in the future, but it's not going to happen where you get preaching, where you just got to try harder. Come on, you just really got to work longer. You just got to be better. You just got to be more committed. No, 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 no. Would you commit to getting close? Would you allow your life to be so close with me that you can't afford to do life across the table? Even to be at the meal is not enough. You got to come to me. Would you take my yoke? You know, we, we have once a year a, a big offering. And, and the reason we have the big offering is because we feel God's called us to have a profound impact in the needs of our community. It's called H4, Heart for the House, Home for the Harvest. Last year, we raised $5.2 million through that offering to help us towards our goal by 2020 of having $20 million every year going into community need. And as a church, we believe that's one of the mandates on us. You know, when you 
when you take up an offering, it's amazing how the atmosphere changes. It's amazing how people, because the devil doesn't want money to be released because money releases kingdom activity when it's in the right hands. And there's always pressure. The enemy always does things when it comes to major kingdom breakthrough stuff. And I was sitting with the board and we'd done it for about seven or eight years. And I just said to the board, I've got to be really honest and vulnerable with everybody. I'm not sure I've got many more of these annual offerings in me. And they said, well, what do you mean? I just said, there's so much weight of trying to help people understand we're not after your money, we're after releasing the kingdom. You know, whenever you judge the church, just be careful. You're in a great church that's wanting to make a difference and it's your smallness of thinking that can stop the momentum of what God could do. But I was at a point where it's like, I, I just don't think I can keep doing this. You know, and I felt like very soon after that, the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and he said, you're called to lead the charge, but you need to learn to stop carrying the weight. I wonder what weight you carry. Did you know when you get into a yoked relationship with Jesus, he carries the weight. And he wants to teach you that the weight of your past is not yours to carry. Come on, the weight of your current challenges, if you got close enough, he would take the weight. And he would lead you forward. And I think we've just got to get a revelation on what Jesus actually did at Calvary. You know, the word yoke means a coupling or literally the beam of balance. And I love that thought that that yoke is not this heavy thing. It's the beam of balance that I find my balance when I'm connected closely to him. And I do believe at life we are seeing phenomenal things happen, but it's, it's in a year Last year, where it was like God says, come on, it's by my spirit, not by your strength. In other words, there needs to be a personal exchange. You come to church and you don't bring who you are or what you're facing or what you're challenged with and lay it down at his feet. You take it home with you. But if you make that personal exchange, there is a divine encounter. And I'm learning well into my Christian walk that, you know, I, I need to walk a lot lighter than I've ever walked before. I aren't there to, I'm there to say yes and whatever it takes, but I'm not there to carry the weight of it. And maybe you came to church today just to realize God's not condemning you for your weakness. God's not condemning you. In fact, Paul says, lay aside every weight and the sin that ensnares you. He's not there. He realizes the enemy's attacking you because of him. And so he came to earth and he said, you know, would you just cross the table? Would you come to me? Would you take my yoke, which is easy? Would you realize that it's not your strength that is the answer for you? In fact, uh, Galatians 5 verse 1, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Come on, I, I travel the world, speak to pastors, and some of them are so laden down with everything they've gone through. I said, how you going? They say, oh, not that good, actually. No, or they say, not too bad under the circumstances. I go, what the flip are you doing under there? Because I've been under there, so I understand it. But come on, today could be a day where a year begins to dawn on us that we go, you know what? We are walking lighter. We are freer than we've ever been. Then for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In other words, you can learn and have a life that's fully agile. You're carrying too much in your backpack. 
There's too much that you're climbing up the mountain with you don't need anymore. Come on, would you come to me? Would you take my yoke? To take my yoke for me means a couple of things. It means that we're going to find more, but more begins in less. It's actually less of me and more of him. I climbed this mountain a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not a mountain climber, but we did a 16-minute teaching climbing a South Island mountain. If you know what they're like, they're pretty high. The weather was not what we thought it would be, and we almost froze to death. We almost remained statues at the top. It was so cold. And I asked, what should I bring? And they said, well, you need to bring certain things. You know, halfway up that mountain, I realized I had packed far too much stuff. Just in case. We got to the climber's hut, slept there the night. Other climbers were there, and I watched what they had in their packs. And I realized I had far, far too much. Climbing the mountain, it was pretty tough. Five and a half hour climb the first day. And I said to the others, you know, when other people make movies, they have stunt doubles. What happened with us? <laughs> they have a helicopter flying in, and here we are. I seriously wonder, come on, this year God's calling us as a church to get so close. What's in your backpack? What's hidden in some of those zip pockets? How much of the past is the enemy laying you down with? And you come and say, God, I need a new day. I need a new future. I want my marriage to be what it's never been. I want our family to break through to the promises. I want my life to really tell for something special. And you know what God says? You've got to cross the table. Unless you bring who you are honestly and say, okay, God, no longer in my own strength. I'm going to begin with a whole lot less. 1 Peter 5 verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Same scripture goes on and says, you know, there's an en enemy. You've got to be sober and vigilant because your enemy walks around like a roaring lion. He's trying to take you out, but what you do is realize this isn't about you, it's about him. And you bring yourself to a place where you cast all your care on me, all of your anxieties on me. Imagine if we had the trust in the God that came to earth and died for us would have our full future in control. Wouldn't we live so differently? See, more begins with less. And the second thought about taking his yoke is proximity breeds strength. You're going to be a lot stronger the closer you get to God. You might not feel like you deserve it, but the closer you are. In fact, Jesus used the same theme in John 15. In verse 5, he says, do you realize I'm the vine? I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. In other words, he who brings everything they are and receives everything I am. Everyone that is not just a one-way relationship, but a two-way relationship will bear much fruit. I, I want to prophesy into your future that it's going to be bigger, wilder, blessed than you've ever seen before. But we must not forget the finishing line in this verse for without me you can do nothing and it's kind of like so I'm coming to a point here I am 57 years of age and it's kind of like we got such a mission in New Zealand and I'm going you know I'm going to run faster than I've ever run before I'm going to be freer than I've ever been freed before because I realize I'm prepared to get closer to him 
And the enemy knows that if we live detached, it will disempower our strength. And maybe today it's looks like Jesus is saying, would you, would you cross the table? Oh, I'm okay. I'm in church. I'm, I'm committed. I, I, I'm a believer. No, no, no. Cross the table. If you're sitting under the table because you feel like you've so failed God, God says, I, I already know you've failed, so why hide? Come on, why, why do you stay there and allow the enemy to load you up? No, come to me. Find your strength and proximity with me. And then I love how he finishes it. He says, would you learn of me? Matthew eleven twenty nine, and learn from me or learn of me because I am gentle. I'm lowly in heart and you will find rest to your souls. Come on, church. Wouldn't it be great if we were in the communities we live in with rest in our souls? Do you notice he didn't say, learn about me? He said, learn from me. Learn of me. I'm going to ask Kath to come and join me on the keyboard. But I don't want you to be distracted. You see, because I can come and preach or a worship leader can come and lead worship. And we can point you to Jesus and you go, oh, that was pretty cool. Thanks for that. Come into a worship service because everybody's prayed up and they, they've really pushed through into God and they, they've crossed the table. They've come to Jesus. They've, they've actually got close through proximity. And they're carrying something that God has. And you go, man, you know that worship set, something happened. Here's the problem with that. You go home to who you are. And worship is not just for a Sunday morning. Worship is when God comes and His presence, when you're struggling in your marriage, goes, guys, you haven't been able to work this out on your own. But that's why I came. Would you cross the table? Would you just come? Yeah, but if I really was honest with where I'm at, I've sat across from many people on the plane. They find out what I do because they ask. And they go, oh, if I went to a church, the walls would fall down. And I go, no, 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 the church was made for you. God doesn't go, oh, freak out, look at this life. He sees you from the day you were born. He saw the struggle before you gave in. He understands that the enemy condemns you, so therefore you stay at a distance. When I get it right, I really want to get right with God so I'll know his peace. God says, but you can't get it right. Unless you cross the table. You won't find your strength unless you nestle in close. Stop running away. Stop trying to do it on your own. And then, would you learn of me? I can't give you a change of life. I can only inspire you. It's only when you hear God speak to you. Come on. That a divine seed lodges in your spirit. Do you know what? God's got words for you that are going to take your businesses to incredible levels. All you've got to do is get away from the distraction and get in close. Would you learn from me? One divine seed carries overcoming authority. Just one word. 
God's given us words over this last two years, and we've just followed God and the miracles that have happened. You see, Christianity is about a personal exchange. My weakness for your strength. My failure for your forgiveness. Earlier this year, in fact, over the Christmas period, I'm quite practical and we've been renovating our house. And uh, Marie, under a set of stairs that we have, she said, listen, could, could you plug this appliance in under the stairs? We just, it's just like a secondary little fridge. I said, no problem. So I went in under the stairs and there were a couple of PowerPoints, uh, one that was facing into the laundry. You could just see the back of it. And then one that was actually put in under the stairs. And there was a plug that was plugged into it. And I discovered that plug was the plug that goes to the fan that sucks out of the laundry. You've got to have something that takes the air out of the laundry. And that was on the other side of the wall. And so I plugged in the appliance, but there was no power. I've got one of those little electrical buzzers that tell you whether there's current going. And so I put it on, but there was just nothing. And I thought, the electrician's forgotten to bring power to the plug. So me being a little creative, I thought, I'm going to hotwire the other plug to this plug. Now, I'm not suggesting you do this at home. But I plugged it up, and we got power going. And I thought, fantastic. Everything's working, and everything's as it should have been. A couple of weeks or a couple of days later, in fact, I bumped into the electrician. I said, man, you did a great job on all the stuff you did. But under the stairs, there's a plug, which the fan is plugged into from the laundry, but there's no power attached to it. So I've got to be honest, I hotwired it, and it's all working good. And he said, oh, no. He said, there's power to that plug. I said, no, no, no. I used the, the buzzer. There was no power, and nothing was working. When I hotwired it, it began to work. He said, no. You didn't realize on the other side of the wall, there's a switch. I said, what do you mean? He says, there's a switch. So if you're in the laundry and you want to turn the fan on, you switch it on and it gives power to the plug. So you don't have to walk under the stairs and switch it on and off all the time. Just push the switch. I said, oh. Could you come and fix it? He said, I'll come and fix it. Forget about the person next to you right now. Forget about the size of your mountain. Don't let the challenge that's in front of you speak. But realize, on the other side of the wall, just across the table, there's everything you need. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 